Welcome to the Life Church Auburn Hills Sermon Podcast. We're a multicultural community being transformed and empowered by the grace, truth, and love of Jesus. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Good morning again. I'm Don Earl Johnson. Uh, I, again, I have this humbling privilege of serving as, as the lead pastor here uh, at Life Church, and I'm excited, first of all, for what we've become. Uh, we've come a long way. We're here in November, and, and we have. In a short amount of time, we've, we've come a long way. And I'm really excited about that. I mean, think about this. I mean, we're at the end of, or beginning of November, close to the end of the year, and uh, Squirrel Road is open. Come on, make some noise. Yeah, and we got an extra hour I was going to see a sleep, but an extra hour. <laughs> Come on, life is, is good. And God is making us again and shaping us into this amazing, uh, diverse community. It's, this has been a passion, um, something that God had gave me from, for some time as I continue to see that in my life, I've been a bridge between communities and just to see how God just connects all that together. It's just been, it's been amazing. And I want to acknowledge that this month is National Adoption Month. And let's give a hand for those families, because we have families that are here who have adopted children. And they did not open their hearts to give them a home. They opened their hearts to give them family. And can we give honor to those? And we'll, we'll talk more about... National Adoption Month. Here's the deal. Family, as I alluded to earlier, family is vitally important. It is where you shape your ideas, your concepts. It's how you view the world based on those experiences. And personally, uh, many of you know that I've worked in child welfare for almost 11 years prior to going full-time in ministry. And I was uh, IT project manager. I was supporting federal grants that were supporting in support of children that have um, been exposed to trauma and abuse and neglect. And my history with child welfare goes a little deep because my mom, my mom who, as you know, recently passed away, she was in foster care herself and she aged out of the system. Um, So uh, there was a lot of things that happened um, as a result of her experience with um, child welfare, uh, being in, in child welfare, being in, quote, unquote, the system. And we see that for a lot of us, um, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm a little choked up right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, thinking about, thinking about my mom. But for a lot of us, when we look at family, again, it's a source of joy. And it, it also is a source of, of struggle um, based on your family, based on what happened. Um, when I was looking and um, working in child welfare, looking at some of the, I don't want to say cases, but some of the children that were in child welfare, based on the trauma that they experienced, something as simple as touch means something different now. And some parents did not understand the fact that 
their child that they adopted was not accustomed to, to touch or, or would not receive touch. But the fact that their last time someone had touched them, they, they violated them. And so touch means something different now to that child. And see, this is why family is vitally important. And not just people that are, have been in the child welfare system, but even each and every one of us. You may not have been a part of the child welfare system, but you've experienced some trauma, some pain, some heartbreak, some letdown. Anybody ever had issues? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can nod in your family. Mm -hmm. Some trouble. Again, <laughs> Hezekiah got two hands up. Pain. And see, today we're kicking off this new series, and we're going to explore some of those challenges and some of those conflicts and some of those issues. Uh, some of us are still fighting voices. Uh, some of us are still wrestling with affirmation because we didn't receive the, the proper attention, and, and, and we need people to see us as a result, again, of the, of the, the family. And see... This is the problem with, with pain and hurt. Hurting people hurt people. It is a vicious cycle. When that becomes your context, hurting people, they hurt people. That's what they know. And what I'm happy about is Jesus wants to destroy. He desires to break that cycle of, of pain. And this is what we'll be dealing with today about addressing some of the pain. We took a survey not too long ago, and we had a couple of things listed of topics you would like to speak about, and this was one of them, unaddressed pain. And my approach, I was going in one direction and then was led in a completely uh, different direction, somewhat at the last minute, it's like, okay, God, you got this then, um, because I was addressing symptoms. And I believe what God wants me to do today is not address symptoms, but address the source. And so if you would, let's take a moment and pray, and then we're going to look into the scriptures, and so we can address the source of a lot of our pain. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, for loving us. Lord, you love us beyond any mistake. Uh, nothing we do or say will change who we are. We're your children. We're your children. Help us to live in the reality of who you are calling us to be. Help us to never settle. But, Lord, to continue to press toward the mark. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. And, Lord, we're striving. Let it be in us to strive for what you're calling us. And we ask you in this moment that you will open our ears, open our eyes, Lord, and open our hearts so we can receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. 
Naturally, when you, when you consider pain, typically it is because something is wrong. You bent something. When you look at your body, you bent something and it went a little further than it was designed or purpose to be. Um, or you smash your hand, which was not meant to be smashed, and you, you, you feel that pain. And your body is communicating to you that something's off, that, that something is wrong. And just recently, um, some of you know, I've been dealing personally with um, a sciatica, which you have this sciatic nerve. Anybody ever dealt with? Yeah, buddy. It's no joke. It's no joke at all. For a couple of weeks, most of my work was laying down because anytime I would bend, I would feel it's that nerve being pinched. And it's like shooting electricity down your body. And again, my body was communicating. It's communicating to me that something's off. Something is misaligned. And so I went to my primary care physician um, after you know, the first step was to ignore it. You know how we do it, especially the fellas in the house. We don't go to doctors. And, and the reason I think we, a lot of times we avoid um, going into the doctors because it, they're going to tell you what you need to do. Yeah. They're going to tell you you may need to adjust something in your life. You may need to change your diet or you may need to, you know, do some more exercise or whatever, they're going to share with you some information that caused you to change and adjust your lifestyle. And sometimes we're afraid to take that step and address the issue. But I finally went in and the doctor told me he thought it was something else. And of course, you know, I have WebMD. You know, I've been doing this for some time. My IT professional, you know, and I'm saying, no, I think it's this. And we go back and forth and say, well, here's what I want to do. Like, send me to a chiropractor, chiropractor, and the MDs, they go back and forth. You don't need the MD. And the MDs saying, you don't need the chiropractor. I'm like, look, I don't care what, what, I need help. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. And again, my body has been communicating to me, that something's off. And the chiropractor, that was helping out. But then I went to a physical therapist because I talked to some of you and say, hey, you need physical therapy. And I'm trying everything because my body is in pain and I want to get my body right. I want to align it. And see, I think when you have suffered enough, when there's enough pain, you begin to do something about your situation. And as we dive into this passage in the scripture, uh, I'm going to be the first to say I have not arrived. And, and my wife would probably going to be saying a whole bunch of amens. So I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. Uh, I'm not there. And if my children was in here, they would say the same thing. But we're going to look at some instructions that Paul gave to the first century church, which honestly, it may sound old school to us, um, archaic, but it was profound for them because first of all, he elevated women, he elevated children. And in that time, in that 
uh, Greco-Roman world, children didn't really have a place and women didn't really have a place. And so let's look at these examples, these instructions that Paul gives. The first, whether you are married, single, divorced, or whatever the case may be, in Ephesians 5, 1, he speaks this. He says, this is what I need, this is what I'm encouraging you to do as believers. If you want to align yourselves to address the pain in your life, he says, follow God's example. Follow God's example. And then he says, dear love children, he says, walk in the way of love. Walk in the way of love. And when you look at that, you'll realize the, most of the times we have caused pain, been a pain, or experienced pain, it's because someone is not following God. They're not following God. And they're definitely not walking in the way of love. When we make decisions that benefit only us, we're not walking in the way of love. And, and, and again, Paul is sharing this for us not to get comfortable where we are, but to align ourselves. Because the pain that we're experiencing in the world is telling us that something is misaligned. And so for everybody, he says, let's walk. Let's take steps every year. Ask your question. Ask this question every day. Am I walking? In the way of love, when I post my political concerns, am I walking the way of love? When I'm sharing things that value my opinion or my position, am I walking? Is what I'm sharing bringing people together or is it separating people? Walk. In the way, that means to take walk, means to take steps in the way of love. And then we'll move on real fast here. Then he says this, and we all like this one. Children, and we're going to go down the list here. Children, obey your parents. Somebody say amen. <laughs> obey your parents in the law. It's right. It's just right, kids. So if you have children, invite them to listen to this message, even just for this part. He says, obey. Listen to your parents. It's just right. The commandment, the first commandment with, that has a promise attached to it is to honor your father and mother. And when you, again, when you look at the world, when you see the pain that people have experienced it falls in this area because we have not aligned ourselves with what God says. Now, I may get in trouble here, but I'm going to unpack it. So, ladies, hold on. The next one says in Colossians 3, 18, he says, wives. 
this used to be my favorite scripture because I didn't really understand it. Submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. These are instructions, again, for alignment. Now, because ladies, I, I feel you. I, I'm a filler, so I feel the lady like, uh-huh. To, to submit yourself. And see, the Greek word here is hupotasso. And it actually is a military term that means to arrange yourself in support of. I'm going to say that again. It's, it's to arrange yourself in support of. So it's not a passive surrender. It's a strategic alignment. It's an intentional agreement that I'm going to align myself in support of my husband. And in the context, and see, I was off because I just, you know, when I first got married, I'm, the Bible says submit yourself. That's how I was. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I, I knew it was coming. I, I warn you. And see, for, in Ephesians, if you, if you go in the fifth chapter, uh, he breaks it down and tells the, the, the husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And here's the deal. It's easier for a woman to, or a wife rather, to submit to her husband or arrange herself in support, especially when her husband is loving like Jesus. I'm going to turn on this side because y'all scare me. I know I'm navigating through some terror. So let's go there. Husbands, love your wife and do not be harsh to them. 2,000 years ago, don't be harsh. Why do you think he... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> We're in trouble today. Why do you think this is put in Scripture? Because the men... We're being harsh. Women were considered property as well as kids. Men in that culture had this authority that they could literally, if they wanted to, have their child killed, murdered. They had authority. It's patria, authority. They were dominant. And so to hear this, was revolutionary in the first century. Stop being harsh. A lot of the pain that is in our marriages is because there's harshness. Yeah, I was quiet when I was laying on that table being aligned too. So <laughs> I get it. And then Peter actually talks about it. He says, because they're heirs together. They're, it's not this, you know, you're here and you're here. He said, no, Jesus died for all of you. you and they're heirs together. And in fact, Peter adds this clause. He says, so your prayers would not be hindered. 
Some of us are wondering why God is not hearing you. Let me share this with you. God is not going to look over your mess. You can't get it right, husband and wife. He's going to look over that and say, okay, let me hear you. No, he wants you to hear each other. We'll move on. And so I, I thought about it. And again, I'm still growing. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not up here like I'm, I got it together. And you don't have to say amen, Sister Johnson. <laughs> I want to steal your thunder right now. <laughs> I'm still, but this was 2,000 years ago when he wrote, don't be harsh. And, and think about it, fellas. What if you walked up? To someone talking to one of your daughters the way you talk to your wife. You don't have to answer that. Just let it rest. How would you respond if someone was talking in the same tone that you sometimes address your spouse? And then he says this. Fathers, again, this thousands of years ago, do not embitter your children. Why didn't he say to moms? Come on. Because he knew fathers don't embitter your children or what? They will become discouraged. You will zap their joy, their energy. You're always correcting, always with a harsh tone. And we'll talk about communication next week. But I'll never forget that I was talking to my daughter, Janae, about her schoolwork. She's been, always been doing well, excelling well. And I noticed, well, I didn't notice until she brought it out. I was talking to her like, hey, how's your math? This, that, and the other. And she turned and looked at me. She said, Dad, all you care about is my math grade. And it hit me. She, again, she was doing well, but I'm, I'm like, I want to make sure you this, that, and the other. And get off your phone. Do this. Blah, 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 blah. And she said, all you care about is my math. And the reason she said that is because of what I was communicating. Most of the time that I would have dialogue with her was about her grades. We were not talking and just small talking, you know. What's the latest YouTube video? It wasn't that. It was always, uh, go, 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 go. And it says, don't, fathers, don't embitter your children or they will be discouraged. And I, like, I love the way that Andy Stanley, he kind of summarized this with this slide. And we'll move on. He says, husbands, here's the key. Husbands, love your wives, be considerate. Wives, submit to your husband. Again, align yourself. Children, obey your parents. And then he says, fathers, stop irritating your kids. If, if we walk in love in this way, what it will do will break those cycles of pain. Because if you think back, the reason that you have some of the pain that you have in your life, it's because someone was misaligned. Some father, some mother, husband, wife was misaligned. And again, Jesus wants to break the cycle. 
He wants to break those cycles of, of pain. And the problem is, the tension is that we all miss the mark. That's what sin is, missing the mark. We all fall short. We all of us do. And sometimes just going through this, we feel guilty. And some of us sometimes feel condemned. It's like, well, I'm already past that. My kids are gone, grown and gone. And we're feeling guilty about it. But Jesus, again, is calling us into a lifestyle, an adjustment where here's the thing, where we fall short, Grace closes the gap. I think that was a good place to give God some praise. (laughs) Really. It it really is. Because he knows that that we, we blow it. Think about it. The first family in the Bible. And see, the Bible doesn't shy away from this. The first family in the Bible ends in premeditated murder. Early in human history. Jealousy. And it just continued to go down from there. Where people were hurting people. Brother against brother. Sisters against sisters. And again, Jesus knows that we, we fall short. But that's why... As the praise team just sung, love came down and he rescued us. And and, and our job is not to say, well, we mess up and then change our view on what he said. But we are to look at the model and say, you know what, as long as I live. I am going to strive to walk in what he's calling me. He's calling me here. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't condemn you for falling short, but invites you into a community to walk along. And that's the tension that, that we live in, to either embrace the ideal, the model, that may not be our reality. Or we can lose sight of the idea so we can feel comfortable where we are. But what God is calling us to say, look, I may not be there, but I'm pressing. And it's best when it's done in community. Because what happens here, what happens in this community can spread abroad. And see, Jesus, he addressed the pain. I'm going to ask the band to come. Jesus, he addressed the pain. He knew the pain was this. It was our sin. It was our propensity to fall short, our propensity to mess up, to blow it. Again, we, don't, we, we can't get out of Genesis before. It's just humanity is just jacked up. But Jesus came to bridge that gap between where he's calling us and where we are. 
And then the beautiful part about it is he said, I will walk with you. I will begin to change your heart, to change your mind, to walk into this new identity. And this is how Jesus addressed the pain. It's found in Isaiah 53, 5. He addressed the pain by in the second song we sung, he took the pain. He took our pain. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. When we cross the line, when we were misaligned, when we missed the mark, he was pierced for our transgressions. Then it says he was crushed crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for it. Our mess-ups, our inner issues. And then it says the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And then it says, with his wounds, as in the King James Version, it said, with his stripes that they laid on him, he addressed our pain, and we are healed. We're healed. Thank you, Jesus. And he wants us to walk in that identity this new identity. And we're going to close. I'll leave you with this passage. Same book in Colossians. He says, therefore, as God's chosen, seeing that Jesus addressed our pain, knowing that you have been holy, you've been set aside for him, you're loved. He said, there's some things I need you to take off, and there's some things I need you to put on. One, he says, clothe yourself. If you want to address the pain, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and patience. And listen, because we blow it, because we mess up, Bear each other and forgive one another. There's some people that have hurt you in the past and it's still bothering you. It doesn't minimize what was done. But in order for you to really live into your future, you got to forgive. You're holding people hostage for things that they've done in their past. And they're moved on. They moved on. He says, forgive just like God forgave you. Think about what you've done. The hurt, the pain you caused. Again, our pain was on him. Think about it. 
And over all these virtues, he said, put on. Life Church Auburn Hills, can we, put, can we be known for love? That we will put on love. That we will receive each other, forgive each other, walk in humility. This is, what, this is the identity he wants us to live into. Take a moment and pray. And then we're going to transition right into our communion. If you would, you can bow your heads. And I want to speak to those that may have not yet said, Jesus, all right, I give you my life. I trust in you with the rest of my life. I want to speak to you. And I encourage you to, it's not a risk, but it's a leap to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with the rest of my life. You gave your life for me. And if that's you, all you have to do to get this conversation started is just say, Jesus, in this moment, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to live into this new identity. You're calling me and never settle. And you may have made a commitment and you may have, you know, got upset or got hurt and walked away and today is your day to say yes again to Jesus and I encourage you again just to open your heart and to say Jesus again come into my life and fill me with your spirit walk with me to live into this new identity and father we just thank you for these beautiful souls these beautiful families and the family that you're creating us to be, a family that will love each other, that will encourage each other, that will bear each other, that will walk in humility, will be gentle with each other. This community. So we can go from hurt to healer. Let it be in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about us, visit us online at lifechurchopinhills.org.